Welcome to Technovation. I'm your host, Peter High. My guest today is Ishwar Valuri. Ishwar is the Chief Technology Officer of Equinox, a high-performance lifestyle consortium of brands, which earns in excess of $8 billion in annual revenue. Ishwar has been with the company for 13 years and has held the role of CTO for roughly two. Across his tenure, he's led remarkable transformation in product design, product management and engineering, data engineering and data analytics, among other areas. I look forward to hearing more about his tenure at Equinox through this conversation. Ishwar, welcome to Technovation. Great to speak with you today. Thank you, Peter. It's great to be here and uh, very exciting for me to join you today. Uh, it's, it's my pleasure. I've been looking forward to the conversation. And now for a word from our partner, Quantify, and the company's co-founder and president, Asif Hassan. Asif, what do you see as differentiating factors between those companies that successfully harness the power of AI and those that don't? Sure. So, Peter, in the last 10 years, uh, we've done over 2,500 AI projects across over 350 customers in nine industries. And we see a few common patterns in the ones who have got it right. So the first factor is culture. The most successful organizations foster a culture of curiosity and experimentation. Second is the presence of a champion, someone who's a true believer in the power of AI and is willing to let the team experiment, fail, learn, and evolve. Third, of course, the technology and talent enablement plays a big role. And the last, but definitely not the least, these businesses have thought about the human aspect of the work that they are going to do with AI. And when the confluence of these factors has happened, we have seen magic happen, and these customer relationships have grown bigger and faster than what we would have ever imagined. And now on to the interview. Well, hey, uh, uh, let's talk about Equinox. I mentioned a, a high-performance lifestyle consortium of brands. Certainly, a lot of people would know it as a fitness organization, but that's not quite everything. Uh, to, to peel back the onion for us a little bit further to describe the business you're in, please. Yeah, so definitely. So, I mean, obviously, it started out with the Equinox clubs that all of you are familiar with. We have uh, about 105 of them, if I got my number right, with a couple more opening uh, later this year uh, in U.S., Canada and England. Um, and then in addition to that, we own SoulCycle, uh, which you know I think everyone is familiar with, with its brand of uh, boutique cycling studios. Uh, Blink Fitness, which plays more in the economy end of the sector. And um, then you know one of our very best that we are proud of, which is Equinox Hotels, which is there in Hudson Yards. And uh, it's been rated number one hotel in New York for you know, kind of couple of years running. So we're very proud of that. And um, it, we used to have, uh, you know, kind of a couple of travel related and lifestyle related endeavors that have been affected with COVID. But otherwise, you know, kind of like we see ourselves as playing more in the lifestyle of consumers throughout. And you come to the CTO role with a lot of experience in product. I mentioned some of that uh, in terms of product design, product engineering, product, uh, product management. Um, talk a bit about your pathway to the CTO role, and also if you wouldn't mind just a bit about your purview as Chief Technology Officer. Definitely. Um, you know, I think my entire career has been slightly meandering. I spent about 10 years in semiconductors and, you know, through that, got an interest in consumer experience with digital electronics, where I worked on Sony PlayStation and other stuff. So wanted to kind of understand how user needs are actually met by the products and work we do. So I joined Equinox in 2010 and uh, worked on creating the website and how we might actually sell memberships online. At that particular point, you know, every transaction was done only at the club and not uh, digitally. So that's kind of 
uh, my foray into Equinox and trying to figure out how do we actually digitize some of the practices that were purely analog. Any digital journey first starts with digitizing certain things that now computers can do and you don't need uh, human beings to do them. But that's just stage one. And I think then in next stages, you're trying to kind of come up with ways to actually improve upon the customer experiences. And as you start taking that route, you know, I think what I began to realize is that it is not just product that can lead the charge. You have to have a broader understanding of how does the data play into it? How do I come up with engineering solutions that make the performance of the final product be on par with the luxury establishment that we want to be? And as my interests and my forays into those areas grew, my responsibility also kind of grew organically. You know, kind of as you mentioned, I've been here for 13, and it took about 11 years to go from being a product manager to being a CTO, which also shows the pathways that this company has provided me in terms of growth, uh, but also just, just my overall interest in those areas. And I think you asked about my purview. Purview generally is anything to do with technology, right? And nowadays, technology is everywhere. So it's almost like describing anything to do with electricity or something as pervasive. Uh, but primarily, we're trying to acquire you know, new members. We're trying to engage our existing members compared to most other gyms, and I'm not saying all gyms, which are in the business of, we just want to kind of get people, and then if they're tried at a high rate, we don't care. You know, it's actually better if they do not realize that they're paying for a gym. We are the opposite. We believe that high engagement is actually what we need from our members, and we go out of our ways to nag people to want to use our clubs because the more they achieve the results, the happier they are with our overall products and services. And that's kind of what we believe in. So most of it comes, at least my area is, how do I keep members engaged? How do we make sure that the goals that they express, the results that they wanted, how do we provide those results to them? And the personalities are very, very different. You have young people, you know, slightly older people, people who are social, people who might not want you know, group fitness classes and so on. So the personalization, which has been the name of the game for the last 10 years, how do you achieve that at scale where if I open the app, will each person's experience be different that day? We're not there yet, but we're definitely kind of on the path of getting there. But that is how we want to be able to kind of cater our products and services to each member at their personal level. I really like that. A number of topics that you mentioned there that I'd love to dive a little bit further into from digital customer experience to customer engagement to personalization. You know, as you described your business, so much of it is physical. Uh, and yet, as you as you highlight, there are so many ways of engaging customers to ensure that they are, you know, optimizing their membership, their involvement with the company in one form or another. I'd love to have you provide some examples, if you would, as to the methods that you and your team have used in order to provide that encouragement. So, you know, it starts with either you're solving a problem that they have, right? Like we think of it as jobs to be done and jobs to be done is the framework. What job are we solving for? So one case is like a very simple thing when you're trying to check in during peak times, there's a line of people. You have a friend desk and you need to go through the desk area for the sake of making sure that 
you have a membership to be able to walk in. But how does that not become a choke point? COVID was like a good um, accelerator to this, where we have a simple iPad acting as a beacon that allows a member to be able to check in with their phone as long as they're within six feet. And we sped up the process of check-in you know, quite rapidly. So that's the job to be done. Then you go with, okay, now how can we improve the experience, right? And you can take a question of, you might want to have a chat with the front desk associate in the morning with just wanting to know how things are going and what classes are there today. But you might have five other members who just want to get to the treadmill very quickly and hit the showers and go do their work. So how do we allow our friend desk associates to know what kind of an experience do you want? The basic levels of data about you so that they can help you best. That is now going to the next level of actually improving your experience and understanding what the nature of our members is and how do we greet them and you know who might prefer a conversation, who might not prefer a conversation. Then if you're going to the treadmills, everyone has or most people have like an Apple Watch, but Apple Watch only has certain fidelity of data. So we try to kind of like say, what do members want out of their cardio experience? Everybody wants to kind of keep track of the progress they've made, the data that they have. But our original attempts were type a phone number or type a username and password to log into the treadmill. And even though we calculated that it might only take 30 seconds for them to do it, the 30 seconds was too long, right? 30 seconds was way too long for us to get enough adoption from members where now we made our solution to be as simple as you just kind of like scan your phone. It takes one second and you're logged in. We have to understand what do our members and we call our customers members want. And we have to make sure that the solutions that we are providing to them are kind of catering to their specific needs. And those needs will be different. And the last example I'll use in terms of how we are you know, kind of like providing solutions in especially that physical digital space is that we have a cycling class called Pursuit, which takes gamified data. So you, you could be someone you're writing a class and then you're seeing your data on the leaderboard with like unique visuals and graphics. And suddenly the room is divided into two, right? Team A and Team B. Team A is on the left side, Team B is on the right side. For the next five minutes, you're collectively trying to beat the other team. So your numbers are being shown. And even if you were feeling low that day, during those five minutes, we've seen that everybody writes their best because there is something that happens where you do not want to let your teammates down. So how do you kind of create those experiences which make someone's performance go higher and feel some sense of validation that they're you know, kind of contributing to their team win, which helps with overall fitness goals. So these are all ways in which technology can help with the primary experience, which is still the physical establishment, but making certain things easy, the customer experience to be better, and then helping them achieve the goals in a better way. And you've talked about helping members achieve micro goals. An example you gave to me was like fitting into a tuxedo or a dress for a wedding uh-huh. versus macro goals. I'd like to you know, lose weight for the long term to increase my, my health and longevity, um, increase, increase my muscle mass, whatever the, those goals might be. 
Can you talk a bit about that process? As you point out, obviously, this is an opt-in. I'm sure you've got some members who do not provide any any data and simply work out as they choose. But obviously, there's a lot of advantages to, to the members as there are to the company in understanding what are your goals as no two people have exactly the same ones. Talk a bit about that process, if you would, of, of that engagement. How does the engagement happen? How much of it do you think about as, as like a trainer or a person at a desk engaging someone to enter that information versus them doing so through an app, for example? Anytime you have a new member who comes into our club, you know, if they're joining for the first time, and then sometimes we also do this for existing members. We have a process called uh, Equifit, which is our unique assessment of physical and goals. So here is where a trainer is actually conducting like about a 45 minute, 60 minute session with you where they're talking through your both micro and macro goals, right? Like they're talking, do you have like a half marathon that you're trying to complete? Are you trying to just get fit for the summer? Or some some people might be recovering from like a chronic back surgery or prenatal, postnatal. So you're trying to get through the gamut of your goals, aspirations, your personalities. But we're also doing a base level assessment of your fitness, you know, to understand what is your functional movement score? What is your body fat percentage? And all of this to be able to help provide a personalized program that helps the customer achieve their goal. So we think of program as basically the core tenet of how we help you get from A to B. The program is something very simple. I'm not a fitness professional, but I can describe it as it's generally 28 days and it has active days and recovery days because recovery is extremely important. You cannot, you know, do seven active days. It actually is worse than having four active days and three recovery days. So the science of coaching that Equinox has established and we're good at it, how do you then take that science and make sure that you can create a program that the customer can adhere to on their own or with a trainer to help make sure that they're doing things right. And the programs are structured to be able to, you might have a running program, you might have an endurance program, and you might have a fitness program. There's level one, level two, level three, and many, you know, like many variations of it. But I'll provide one other detail which will help with that micro validation, right? So it could be as simple as after the third week, you might have noticed that your dumbbell now went from 30 pounds to 35 pounds. Most people don't think of that as, my God, that's like, a, you know, something changed. You're still looking at your weight or body fat as indicators to your progress, but helping track the reps, the amount of time that you might be on a plank or the weight that you're able to lift, show the customer a sense of progress that they're kind of embarking on a journey towards that. So these programs, are meant to be, you can do them on your own, you can do them with a trainer, and those are at the hallmark of helping you achieve your results through this periodic assessment. So then the last thing towards the program is you also have a benchmark. So you establish a benchmark and say that, you know, it could be as simple as, I want a deadlift 250 pounds. Every month, you're measuring against that benchmark to show how you're progressing towards your final benchmark, along with some of the progress that we are indicating to you along your journey. And obviously, uh, an important aspect of that is data, uh, mm -hmm. you know, being able to collect data and actually having sound data practices within your organization to do something extraordinary with the data that you collect. I wonder if you could talk a little bit, little bit about your own data program and strategy and, and even the role that, for example, artificial intelligence plays in facilitating what you've described as well. Sure. Um, so from a data standpoint, 
it's it's a complicated problem, right? I don't think anyone has solved it and we definitely haven't solved it. There are certain things that are very easy. Uh, you know, like when does a member check in? How often do they check in? What their goals are? Things that are provided are easy to capture because the physical processes require the data to be collected. And because it's a closed system, the data is very clean. Then once you enter a club at eight o'clock to figure out what did you do for the hour, that's a challenge of epic proportions because you could be on the mat doing some stretch, you could be on cardio, you could be doing strength, you could be doing kettlebell, you could be doing dumbbell, you could be doing a curl, you could be doing something else. What is the importance of all that data? How easy is it to capture? I think that those are, that's still a journey that we are on. We definitely have made more progress with cardio because cardio is a machine and it has a bigger footprint, which allows us to be able to capture data at any point. There's one person on the treadmill and you can understand who the person is and how much they'll run. Whereas if you have five people who are doing kettlebells, it's a complex problem uh, and the kettlebell is such a small piece of equipment that it's tough. So we are definitely are still trying to kind of come up with mechanisms where how do we help the member? Right? Because at the end of it, a member is not going to do something unless there is some utility in it for them. And how do we make the process easy and create utility? So once all of the data is there, to the point we talked about, it is to help show progress. It is to help challenge the customer. It is to help them nudge. It is to personalize the different, you know, kind of if you were, as an example, you ran for six miles today on a treadmill. Then in the evening, the app should recommend some stretching for you for tomorrow, right? To basically help you. We, if you're trying to take a cycling class tomorrow, I should be like, that's probably a bad idea. You just ran six miles today. So, you know, you should ideally be taking a different class that is low in cardio, but maybe higher in strength. So that's how we are using the data is to be able to inform the member on what they should be doing to help further them along their journey. The artificial intelligence concept, I think, is still something that we are grappling with. And, and we have recommendation engines. We definitely use Amazon Personalized to be able to provide exactly the recommendations, such as, uh, you know, you take in cycling class A, we recommend you take yoga class B because we know that many people have taken that. We also are measure what you like and what you do not like. And if you've never, ever taken a yoga class, then we will not recommend a yoga class to you because you made it very, very clear to us that you do not like a yoga class. So we're able to track the impressions and so, and so on to be able to personalize the experience. At scale, I think if we you know reached a point where we wanted to use the data to be able to come up with new exercises and new programs that are generated through a machine, we can do it. But at our core, we believe that our trainers and coaches are very important and they provide the difference in terms of just you training in on your own versus accountability a professional who can help you with your form and a professional who can guide you so i think you know we're going to go on this pathway slowly but definitely we have a team that is investing time and effort to figure out what might be the best uh, use cases that would solve problems for us as an organization it strikes me, uh, Ishwar, that yours is a, a company where you and your team can experience the quote unquote product in services. And I wonder to what extent you view that as an opportunity 
uh, to, to of course, experience what it is the company does, but also develop new ideas on how things can improve? It is the number one hiring reason. I'm, you know, I'm surprised and happy that you asked about that because both like where I work and then, you know, there's another office in New York. Both those offices are about 20 feet from our clubs. So we actually locate our physical offices in a way where depending on your schedule, you work out during the day, you work out during the middle of the day, but you work or in the evening, but we strongly encourage our employees to experience the products and services because to your point, if I as a user have a tough time, you know, kind of like achieving my results or using the club or there's a problem with the treadmill or the technology that we've created, it gives us such a unique opportunity to discover the problems that we need to solve, right? And the second part of it, which I think is really unique for us is most companies, when they're trying to do user research on, is this a good idea? Do people like this idea? You have to recruit audiences that are like audiences that might be like the people who might be using your product. There's so many mites there. Whereas our head of consumer research who works for me, she just walks into the club and you know talks to like five or six people who are by the lounge and goes, Hey, I lead this thing. Can you talk about you know the new feature that we have? And they will explain you know what they like, what they don't like. That closed loop system between us and our consumers and our you know is extremely critical for us to be able to make sure that our ideas are not kind of going into the left field, but are you know kind of close to meeting the needs of our members and helping them along their journey. So that's an extremely important facet of our jobs and we, you know, we enjoy it quite a bit. Yeah, very interesting. We've already talked about, uh, Ishwar, a number of trends, uh, data-centric trends, the use of artificial intelligence, uh, just to name a couple of personalization, et cetera. Um, as you look to the future, what other trends are making their way onto your roadmap that have you particularly excited? I think it's the general health and visualization, right? So, you know, I think Apple recently said, announced that they have a new health coach that's going to come on that will talk about you know how to improve their health and activities and so on and if some of this type of apis become a little bit more commoditized i think it can help us actually add that extra layer in our product to be able to provide the recommendations that are available in our clubs for our members based on you know kind of like their activity and so on so i think rather than thinking of Apple Health and the services that they provide as somehow being a threat to us, we are of the mindset of how do we leverage that? They've done the hard work and now we can take those, you know, kind of like insights and then help our members best uh, achieve the results based on those insights. I think with OpenAI, even though we've talked a little bit about it, I think OpenAI has so many areas that we can take advantage of, like including customer service, right? Like things that if you look at, you know, eight questions and answers that take to get to the root of the problem, I think, you know, OpenAI definitely has an ability to make service quicker, more efficient. Uh, it is not about replacing, but just kind of like making certain processes faster to be able to help our members, you know, kind of get their questions answered very quickly. So that definitely, I think, artificial intelligence and uh, and I'm just using OpenAI because that's what we've played around with more than anything else, helps solve a number of problems without thinking of it as 
this is just like replacing something that a human does as much as we think of it as a co-piloting type of mechanism which helps you know us to be able to get to the destination quicker rather than kind of on the slow lane the other trend that i think is you know a little bit remarkable is the whole concept of like cdp and you know we use braze and we use a lot of personalization tools i think they're becoming smarter in terms of us being able to take advantage of more real-time personalizations so today whatever activity you did how do we kind of conduct mass level data science very quickly to be able to kind of like provide the next best thing for you rather than running it as like a batch job where every hour we're able to process things so just the computational speed of being able to do things that used to take a lot of server time years ago i think just the pace at which uh, that is improving is you know kind of like thrilling to me i took a screenshot recently when i started working the transistor width was 250 nanometers that's kind of like my first transistor that i worked on was 250 nanometers in 1998. this year the transistor width is two nanometers that explains at least kind of like what i've seen in terms of because you can almost equate every progress that we've been able to make as a general civilization in the spirit of technology to that one particular dimension because every time that gets smaller things are able to run faster with less voltage the computational you know kind of like dynamics help us create experiences at a much faster pace so that's like one way to visualize you know, what we can do and the potential of what we can do with what the technology has kind of like afforded us, you know, in 2023. It's a great overview. I appreciate you reaching back into your past as well, as uh, having had experience with the foundational technology uh, to explain how things have progressed. Very, very interesting. The uh, other question I wanted to ask you, Ishwar, was, you know, as somebody who's risen to uh, a role of such consequence and your descriptions across this conversation certainly underscore the fact that that's the case, what have been some of the secrets to your ascent career-wise, um, you know, especially tuned perhaps to others who might be watching or listening to this who might wish to have a career that looks a little bit like yours? What have been the difference makers along the way for you? It's a good one. See, I think when, when you start out, you're not, there is no set goals of like at one day I want to be like a CTO or something like at least I did not have that I, I know in my team as I now I'm in the more in the mentoring side of things there are people who are very very clear right now on you know like that's my end goal right and but whether that's your set goal or you're just trying to get to the next level I feel that what has worked for me is we call it a little bit of like a servant leadership type personality which is that when there is grunt work, and I use grunt work not in a pejorative way, but sometimes there is just grunt work, I have made it a point where I tell my team, I'll take care of it. Why don't you work on something you know that's a little bit more important because I can't do the job that you're doing, but I can definitely you know copy this data and stuff. So I've always used that as a way to help people understand that you're never too big for your job, right? Like you kind of always have to understand and obviously the, your level of understanding is going to decrease as you keep going higher up in the ranks but you have to keep a pulse on what is happening everywhere in the team and obviously my team is not as big as you know much larger corporations but i've been able to generally have an overview and a pulse on things that are kind of happening and i've always whenever i felt there was an opportunity to help in a particular area 
did not feel like I need to kind of like hold myself back. I would raise my hand and say, oh, I can do that. And I think that definitely opened doors to me because I came with a very specific background, right? And, you know, if I've never done software engineering as a professional, to be running engineering without that is a mark of someone generally recognizing that even if I did not know how to, you know, kind of like comment and pull reviews and everything else, I had the ability to help achieve the best efficiency out of the engineering team. So you have to realize what your strengths are and you have to play to those strengths, but also be open about your weaknesses. Don't try to just make up stuff. I didn't go into like an engineering meeting and just make up some BS that I learned, you know, from Google that day. I would actually more the opposite where I will clearly tell guys, this is an area that I'm not good in, but can you help explain to me why we are doing this? And opening yourself in that way actually helps people relate to you better. So to me, at least kind of what I view as my strength and what it's not even a strength as much as my fundamental tenet is team, just kind of like helping to know what everybody does. How do I put pe people in the best position to succeed? Because you might have to use like a baseball analogy, you might have a pitcher, you know, who's a starting pitcher, but now doesn't, you know, kind of deliver on those, but can we make him a reliever? What do we do? And I think having open, honest conversations help me deliver more out of my team than, you know, not. And that helps kind of like not just my ascent, but it also helps everyone in my team has grown. So, you know, kind of like there are people who work with me for 10 years, 11 years, 12 years, and all of them have grown from being an engineer to head of engineering, being uh, a project manager to head of data, being someone else. And that is more prideful to me than my own title of being a CTO. What an inspiring story of diagnosing what's what's worked well with you, but also uh, the the coaching role you're playing to making make sure that uh, the the lessons are accessible for others to take advantage of as well. Um, Ishwar Valuri, thank you for a great conversation. It's been a pleasure to hear more about your experience across 13 years at Equinox, the remarkable uh, transformations that you have led, uh, the numerous strategic aspects of 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 your your plan uh, to to help. Uh, a member experience uh, grow and expand and, and become more pleasurable for those people who are, are in fact your members. Uh, it's been a great conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you, Peter. I enjoyed it very much.